Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. I hope you're all having a great day and hope that uh, you can also enjoy an ugly Christmas sweater or ugly Christmas sweater suit, suit throughout uh, the season. If you like the coat, you should see the pants. They're fantastic. Today, if you like, if you allow me, I'd like to take us on a journey. And until we get there, you turn to Matthew chapter 2. We will end in Matthew chapter 1 and 2. So if this is your first time or first time in a long time, we typically go through books of the Bible since we are in the Christmas season. We're taking a quick break. We finished First Timothy starting in January. I think the second Sunday of January, we'll get into Second Timothy, and then we'll get into Titus following that. But we want to celebrate and look at the birth of our Savior. But in the beginning, so imagine if you never read the Bible before, never heard the name Jesus. Somebody gives you a Bible, and you're reading it for the first time. And you read in the beginning. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. Like, this is fantastic. You see the order, the structure. You see how he creates. He speaks, ex nihilo, out of nothing. And things just appear. Let there be light. Light. He separates the water. Just, I mean, imagine. It's fantastic that God creates man and woman in his own image. And they walk together in a fellowship in the garden. Everything is good. This is awesome. What a great story. It's a utopia. Then chapter 3 comes. And it all falls apart. Enter who you have here, the antagonist. Satan comes in. To ruin it all. Dupes Eve. Adam follows suit. And the fall happens. Man is now born in sin. The ground is cursed. Women's going to have to have labor pains. But there's a promise with that pain that we see in Genesis 3.15 that through that pain that a woman's going to have to endure, a seed will come. A child will come who will eventually come and crush the serpent's head. Now this is in the beginning and so from that point on, as you're reading the Old Testament, we're waiting to find out who is this serpent crusher? Where is the seed of the woman that is going to come and finally rid us of this wickedness? When will this time come? And so you just keep reading. The seed of the woman is going to come to crush the serpent. Well, when's it going to be? We have Cain and Abel. Here we go. Eve has a child, we have it. You have the seed of the woman. But just like you have the seed of the woman throughout Scripture, you're also going to have the seed of the serpent, Cain and Abel. Who's who? Who's on which team? Abel offers a sacrifice to the Lord. Seed of the woman. Cain doesn't like that. Has a chance to repent, will not. Kills his brother, seed of the serpent. At the end of Genesis 4, we have Eve bearing another child. This is in Genesis 4, 25, and she, she has Seth, and she has says, God has given me another seed. I think it says in the King James, another offspring in the ESV. Another seed, perhaps this is the one. Is Seth the one? He's not the one. We've got to keep reading. If you fast forward a couple hundred years, fast forward a lot of years, actually, and we get to this man called Abram in Genesis chapter 12. Nothing special about Abraham other than the Lord calls him out. In Genesis chapter 12, we found out God calls Abraham and promises to make of him a great nation through him and through his seed, 
all the world will be blessed. Seed of the woman, seed of Abraham. And while he's there, the seed of Abraham, and Abraham's rejoicing with what God's doing, God calls him into a new land. He gets there, and he's dealing with these people, the seed of the serpent called Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you read Genesis 14, fantastic picture. And you have a, the king of Sodom in Melchizedek, the king of peace, and see how that connects to Psalms later on. But here's the seed of the woman, the seed of the serpent in Genesis 14. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had Judah and his kin, or the other 12, the other 11. One of them was named Joseph. Joseph had dreams. Do you remember this? Do you remember these old Sunday school stories? Joseph had dreams. He had dreams and ended up going to Egypt. But in, when he goes to Egypt, he ends up by going to Egypt, saving his family. Jacob had Joseph. Joseph goes to Egypt. By doing so, he saves his family. While his family's there, we learn at the end of that time period in Genesis 49 that one of his older brothers, Judah, is now pointed out. He's specified as the next link to the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman, seed of Abraham, and then we learn in Genesis 49, 10, that the seed of the woman will come through the line of Judah, the scepter, the king. So getting more specific, coming from a woman, obviously that makes sense, we all understand that. Coming from a woman, that means he has to be born. It's not coming from heaven in the sense that he's an angel. He will be born, he's going to have human flesh like you and I. Coming through the line of Abraham. He's going to come through the line of Judah. He will be a king. These are things, these are markers we've got to look for. And so you're just trying to check these boxes as we're going. Next time we hear somebody great, you're like, do they check the boxes as we're reading through? Fast forward a couple hundred years, the people are, are in Egypt, the people of Israel. Things do not go well. There comes a time where Pharaoh's forgot who Joseph was and what the people were. And Pharaoh realizes the people of Israel are growing too much. And so he decides as this despot, as this ruler, the best program for us is to eliminate the Hebrew male children. Let's wipe out the male, Hebrew male children in this area, but one is spared. Do you remember who this one is that's spared? His name is Moses, the deliverer. And Moses is going to deliver the people. He's going to take them out of Egypt. Not he's only going to take the people of Israel, but the people of Israel. In Exodus 4, when, when Moses goes to talk to Pharaoh, in Exodus 4, this is what he says to Pharaoh. Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. Let my son go. If he doesn't, Pharaoh, Moses promises Pharaoh, your firstborn will die. You see, it's exactly what happens through the ten plagues. And so the son of God, Israel, his firstborn, is led by Moses to deliver out of Egypt. And you're thinking, maybe Moses is the one. But Moses tells us in Deuteronomy, no, there's a better prophet coming after me. You see, in Genesis 14, there was a better priest coming after the line of Melchizedek. There's a better prophet that's going to be coming in Deuteronomy. So fast forward a little bit, and now they're in Numbers. They're in the wilderness and there's this weird guy that we can't really try to figure out what he's doing or what side he's on for a little bit. His name's Balaam. 
And Balaam prophesied in Numbers 24, 17, Listen, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of, a star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. And so you have this, again, this, this imagery continuing to come through. We have the crushing of the head of the enemy, going back to the snake crusher, the serpent crusher in Genesis 3. You have the star of Judah, or star, sorry, of Jacob. He's having a son, Judah, who's going to have a king. So we're looking for a star. We're looking for a king. Looking for these signs as time goes on. Who is going to be checking all these boxes? And so we have the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the line of Judah, the star of Jacob, the king of Judah. He's going to be crushing the serpent's head. So quick question about this star. Is it a real star? Is it like a celebrity, a famous star? Which, which is it? You know, it's anticipated that next year, in 2022, a star will be birthed through a collision of two astral bodies. And it's anticipated it could be the brightest star in the sky for a period of months. So if you're a stargazer, check it out. I don't know. I'm not a stargazer. I don't, I don't know where they all are. I just know they're pretty. But however, one Jewish rabbi, Yosef Berger, is suggesting that the coming star in 2022 is the fulfillment of, Je- of Numbers 24-17. And they look forward to, when it comes, the, the arrival, he says, of an important military leader. So they're looking for this birth of a star to lead them to a military leader. They're still looking for a military leader. And this is what the Old Testament, it's like, no, 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 there's, he's coming, he's a king. doesn't mean he has to lop everybody's head off. But that sense that they're looking for a star still. Still looking for a star. They're looking for 2022. Maybe now's the time. Well, let's get back to our story. We left with the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, star of Jacob, line of Judah. It's going to be a king. Fast forward a couple hundred years, and now we have 2 Samuel 7, and we find out that even more delineation comes through David, the king. We have a king, David the guy, the seed of the woman, seed of Abraham, star of Jacob, the king from the line of Judah, boiled down to now from the Davidic line. Can you think of the seed of the serpent in the story of David? Think of somebody really big, like Goliath. And if you read the story of Goliath, you'll read that his, some translations say chain mail, but it's, it's actually scale armor. So he's wearing what looks like snake or dragon skin, seed of the serpent, coming after seed of the woman. What does David do? Crushes his head with a stone and then lops it off. Seed of the woman wins again. Fast forward a couple hundred years to some prophets. We have Isaiah and Micah. Micah tells us that the seed of the woman, seed of Abraham, star of Jacob, king from the line of Judah, from the line of David, will be born in Bethlehem. Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 7 that Messiah, the seed of the woman, will be born of a virgin. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. In Isaiah 9, we find the child will have a couple titles with him. He will be wonderful counselor. 
the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of his government, there will be no end. The seed of the woman, seed of Abraham, star from Jacob, king from Judah and Davidic line, born in Bethlehem, God with us, whose government and kingdom will never end. In chapter 11 of Isaiah, the seed comes from the stump of Jesse, David's father. He's called the branch whose roots will bear fruit. And we see this imagery of him being the branch and bearing fruit in Isaiah 11, Jeremiah 23, Zechariah 3, and Zechariah 6. The Messiah, the branch, the bearing fruit. Interesting enough, one of my former professors pointed out that Eusebius, the early church father historian, records that when the Israelites returned from exile, those that were of the Davidic line, when they returned, would name cities based on messianic hope terms. So like the star, there's the, the town in Israel named for the Hebrew word star. This town in Israel that has a name that sounds like the Hebrew word branch, like Natser, this branch, and they made it a town. And so they were having, those that were Davidic line were coming back from exile, hoping, anticipating when he comes, when he comes, he will come because we have these promises. He is the star. He is the branch. He's the Natser. Fast forward a couple hundred years. We have 400 years, as you know, at the end of the Old Testament of this silence. When will the seed of the woman come? So as we look at Matthew chapter 1 and 2, let me ask you to think through four things as we read through Matthew 2. We'll, we'll glance at chapter 1 real quick. But as we get to chapter 2, think through four things. What terms in these chapters remind us of the prophecies of the seed of the woman? So you see some. Hey, wait a second. What is he doing? No. What? Start looking for those terms that we've heard in these Old Testament that are pointing to signs, arrows, this way. This way, fella. Look here. Second, who is on team A? See the woman. Third, who's on team B? See the serpent. Lastly, which team are you on? So I want you to work through. What terms are pointing us to the seated woman? Who's on team A? Who's on team B? Which team are you on? We see at the beginning, if you look at Matthew chapter 1. So that if you're in Matthew 2, flip over one page. Look at Matthew chapter 1. You're going to love it. The book of the genealogy. The word genealogy, you know what that word is? Genesis. That's what that word is. It's the Genesis. You just take the Greek word, read it out loud. The Genesis. The Genesis, the beginning of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. I mean, we're off to a good start. Got a couple uh, couple Messiah bingo names. You already started checking these things off. We see through here, in, in we see Abraham. We see Jacob. We see Judah. We see Jesse. We see David. We're off to a good start. We read of a man called Joseph at the end of the genealogy. Do you know what Joseph's father's name was? Do you remember Jacob. That's interesting. Jacob had Joseph 
Joseph, the New Testament, also had dreams and goes to Egypt and by doing so saves his family. It's amazing. There are plenty of parallels that continue to come on, but as we continue to read, we get to chapter 2 and we see at the beginning of chapter 2, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem, Judea, for it is so written by the prophets, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who shall be shepherd my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. When he had sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them, until it came to rest on the place where the child was. Right off the bat, we see Jesus is born in Bethlehem, and we see three major characters playing out in these chapters. We have, in chapter 2, sorry, we have Jesus, we have King Herod, and we have the wise men. We don't know how many they were. The reason why you would say three is because they brought three gifts. The reason why we call them kings is because there's a text in Isaiah 60, verses 3 through 6, which speaks of kings coming to see the light, and they bring, I don't know, frankincense and gold. You see that in Isaiah 60, verses 3 through 6. That's why they say kings. That's why we sang about that today. But we have these three characters. These men travel, the wise men travel from afar, as we've seen, a long way. Where do they come from? We don't know. We have a good guess. Most believe that they came from this area where Daniel last was. So Daniel made a lot of predictions about the coming Messiah and the exact time in which he would be born. And there's these people in Israel called the Essenes that believed this was the time that Daniel had spoken of. And so there was this anticipation of this going to take place here in Israel. So you'll see that in Luke chapter 2 that people were, some were on edge, like, this is it. This is the time. So it's possible through the writings of Daniel, a wise man, that these men interpreted what was going on and came. It's possible. We don't know. But they're looking for the king of the Jews. And they come to this place where they thought, this is where the king's going to be born. Where would you go to find the king? If you're going to England, you wanted to talk to the queen of England. Where would you go? Probably not your friend's house. Right? You're going to go to the palace where the guys with the fuzzy hats live. You're going to go to the palace. So what do they do? They go to the palace. They go to the palace in Jerusalem, and they find out he's not here. And can you imagine the wise men in earnest asking a question honestly to Herod, who's sitting on his throne. He has that little desk name on there, you know, like King of the Jews. And they ask him, where's the King of the Jews?
right here. No, no, no. The real king of the Jews. Uh, come again? Yeah, we're looking for, we read these signs, we figured out what's going on. Um, this is foretold. We're looking for the real king of the Jews. Where is he? He's got to be close. It's not you, pal. So that's unfortunate news for Herod. He's not fond of that. I don't know what you know about Herod, but he is unbelievably cruel. Killed his firstborn. Killed his wife. Killed half of her family. Did not care who was in his way. But if you oppose him, you're gone. That's it. You're toast. So when he realizes this, and it says all of Israel's troubled with him, you, you realize... They're troubled not because of the news, but because of what Herod might do. What could this crazy guy do if we, if he decides there's somebody out here who's going to oppose me, who's going to take my spot? So Herod has a team look up the answer, try to find out where is this king of the Jews to be born, and they go to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and they find out that the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, star of Jacob, the king from Judah and David, the Emmanuel God with us, whose government will be no end, the branch that will bear fruit will be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. So he gives him, gives the wise men, Herod gives the wise men a GPS location, they put it in, they get their route and they head off. They go to Bethlehem, we see in verse number 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The wise men come out and they see the star almost as if it's sitting on top of this house. I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that. Have you ever seen the, the northern lights? So when we were uh, at college, we lived far enough north. You could actually see them. I remember one night we came in from extension. It was like 2 a.m. We're coming in, and um, the northern lights were going nutso above us. And they were up in the sky. It's almost like you could touch them. I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's something I've never experienced before. These green, I'm assuming they're green, I'm colorblind, they look green to me, lights just dancing, jumping up and down, bouncing around. It's just amazing. But it looked like they were like there, just hovering over us. You just marvel at God's creation. Well, I don't know what these wise men experienced, but it seems like to them this star is literally sitting on this house. It's just there. Like, we're here. X marks the spot. Like, we found it. This is it. So they go in, and they find Mary and the little tykes. And what do they do immediately? They drop down and worship. You go down and work in our nursery for a while, and tell me if your initial response to an infant or a child is you drop down and worship. But this was no ordinary child. These men traveled all this way 
find a little, drooling, helpless child. They fall down and worship him. There's no other option. What else do you do in front of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace? What other response could you have? They fall down and they worship. After they worship, they dole out, sacrificially give their gift. They've already given their time. They've traveled all this way, given their time. They find him, they seek him, and when they seek him, they worship him. And after they worship him, they're like, whatever else we have, it is yours. We sacrificially give. We don't know how long they stayed. We don't know if they stuck around for a while, if this is a one-time visit. We don't know if Mary and Joseph were at the door. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, just, uh-huh, the kids got to get to bed. Uh-huh, that's great. Uh-huh. We don't know what happened. We don't have a story. We don't have a scoop. We just know they came. But if you traveled all that way, you're like, we're getting our time's worth here. And Mary's like, the nap time was, you know, 45 minutes ago. We don't know how long. But after they left, we get to verse 13. And when they had departed... Oh, sorry, before verse 13, verse 12, sorry, that they were being warned in dreams not to return to Herod. They departed to their own country by another way. So after seeing the king, the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the star of Jacob, king from the line of Judah and David, and they see Emmanuel, God with us, they leave with this news. Change. They're warned not to go the same way, so they find an alternate route and take off. Now we get to verse 13. And when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night, departed to Egypt, and remained there until the death of Herod. That was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Joseph is approached by an angel and and is told to get out of Dodge. Herod's coming. Herod's going to be trying to kill him. Joseph, son of Jacob, takes his family to Egypt, where in doing so he saves his family and waits there until Herod dies. When they come back, we'll see in a few verses, it will fulfill an old statement spoken by Hosea, out of Egypt I have called my son Israel, who we heard earlier from Exodus 4, is God's firstborn, was brought out of Egypt by God. One author said of this, just as the nation of Israel came out of Egypt when the first covenant was being initiated, so also Jesus comes out of Egypt when the new covenant is being initiated. So Joseph, Mary, and Jesus are gone. They left the country. Let's do a little flashback now. Come back. They left, and now we're back in verse 16. We're coming back to Herod. Herod, when he saw that what had been, that he'd been tricked by the wise and became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time when he had ascertained from the wise men, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Herod's mad. This king, this despot, is angry, decides the best plan of action is to kill all the Hebrew male children. You heard of this before? Somebody trying to do this? So this oppressive ruler wants to kill the male Hebrew babies, but one is saved. 
in Egypt. But it's not Moses this time. It's Jesus. But still, atrocity happens. Children are wiped out in Bethlehem. You could hear the cry of the mothers in Egypt watching their children be tossed into the Nile. You can hear, as this is quoted from Jeremiah, the cry of mothers in Ramah as their children are being taken off into exile, never to be seen again. You can hear the cry of the mothers in Bethlehem. And the soldiers came in and slaughtered children to weep and wail of mamas throughout Egypt for the people of Israel from exile in Jeremiah and then from Bethlehem here in Matthew. But one is spared. We saw earlier after Herod dies, the story picks back up. Look at verse 19. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he arose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he heard that Archelaus, that's Herod's son, one of his many sons that was ruling, they divvied up the, the land after he died. When Archelaus was reigning over Judea in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, he will be called a Nazarene. After Herod's death, Joseph told, get back to Israel. He's warned in a dream, but maybe not Bethlehem. Let's go to Galilee, and there's a city there you can land in. Nazareth. So again, the Hebrew word for branch is Nazir. So you're not going to find an Old Testament text that says that Jesus is called or he's from Nazareth. But you will see, as he mentions here, multiple prophets that speak of him being the Nazir, the branch. So he is living in branch town. And he's going to be called a person from Branchtown. He is the branch man from Isaiah 11 and Zechariah and Jeremiah. He's the branch. And when the survivors of the exile, remember when they could trace this lineage to the Davidic line, they were using these words of hope. The branch, the star, the child, Emmanuel, mighty God, Prince of Peace, is back in Israel, safe and sound. And our chapter ends. Now, before we go, I'm going to ask you again, we went through these four questions, so let's review. What terms in the chapter remind us of the prophecies of the seed of the woman? Genesis 1, Abraham, Judah, Jesse, David, Jacob. Jesus will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Chapter 2, the star of Jacob that led the wise men to the king of Judah. The descendant of David, he was born in Bethlehem, eventually moves to a little town that bears a name that sounds like the Hebrew word for branch. In short, we've seen that Jesus is the seed of the woman, son of Abraham, star of Jacob, king from Judah, the Davidic line, who is Emmanuel, God with us, whose government will never end. He's the branch that will bear much fruit. Who is on? Next question. Who is on team A? Who's on the seed of the women's team? What we see in chapter 2 
He deceived the woman is Jesus, but who's on his team? We see the wise men. What are some things that stick out to you about the wise men? They seek him. They worship him. They give their time to him. They give their stuff to him. Because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. They seek him. They worship him. They give their time. They give their stuff. This is just this is what we do when we see who this is. When I realize who I'm talking to, when I realize who I'm standing in front of, when I realize who this is, this little child, yeah, he has everything I have. It's his. Who's on team B throughout this chapter? Can you find somebody in chapter B, chapter 2, that seems like he doesn't like deceive the woman, get Herod, trying to attack, trying to kill, deceive the woman. And so the next question then, which team are you on? How would you know which team you're on? Well, let me ask you, how do you respond, or how have you responded to Jesus? When you've heard the news, you realized who he is. How have you responded to him so far? You seek him? You worship him? You've given him your life? Which includes your time and your stuff? Now, giving our stuff does not mean we're saved. It's just an, a fruit of that. When Jesus saves me, when he redeems me, he gets all of me. So there's one response is the wise men. Another response is from Herod to attack, to antagonize, to go after. There's a third response that we need to talk about, and that's of, remember the chief priests and scribes, when they heard this news, right, because all the Israel was troubled, what did they do? Nothing. Just indifferent. Mm, nothing to see here. Nothing big. But there's still only two teams. Deceive the woman, deceive the serpent. Friend, if you have not come to Christ, you're not on his team. Not wearing his jersey. Not a part of his family. You're either for, you've come to him, you've given your life to him, or you are against or indifferent. But if you're against or indifferent, you are on the seed of the serpent's team. That may sound harsh. It may sound odd. It may sound like, I don't like the way that sounds, but it's reality. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he says, no one, no one comes to the Father except through, except through me. So you come this way, or you don't come at all. Now that sounds exclusive, because it is. It is. Now how sick and twisted would it be for me to not tell you that if that's true and that's reality. So to try to help you understand like, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what you believe. Like, no, Jesus said it does. It doesn't matter what you think of Jesus. No, Jesus said it does. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You come through me or you don't come at all. Friend, seek him. Worship him. Give him all you have. 
So what does all this mean for us today? First off, friends, again, let me ask you, what team are you on? Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, the promised seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham, the star of Jacob, the king from Judah and David's line. He is Emmanuel, God with us. His government will never end. His kingdom will never end, and he is the branch that bears much fruit. Will you come? this, as Isaiah calls him in Isaiah 11, a tender shoot. Will you come to him? I hope you will. How can you do that? You give your life to him. We, we walk through this often that you admit that you, like I, that we are sinners, we've gone astray, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and we call upon his name. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I hope that you will come to him today. If you have questions on this, I encourage you to see myself, see a Christian friend that you came with, ask them how you can know this. But as we saw, for those of you there at uh, Mr. Timmy Mahood's funeral this last week, we reminded the people there, wise men still seeking. Wise men still seeking. Come to the Savior today. For those of you here that claim to know Christ, let me ask you a few questions. First, do you worship Christ like you should? We saw how the wise men responded to the Savior. Do you worship Him like you should? Do you seek him like you should? Much time and effort and energy and cost went into them just trying to find him. And yet we hear of him week after week. Do you seek him like you should? How could God use you in others' lives as they see you seeking and worshiping this Savior? Do you sacrificially give of your time? in your resources like you should. What could God accomplish through you? So as best we know, the gifts that were given to Mary and Joseph, the souls, frankincense, and myrrh, is what paid for his escape to Egypt and for him to come back. Through their gifts, the life of the Messiah was most likely saved. So we talked about today, so Pastor Ethan talked about today, this we're able to support Paul Campbell, who's in Logan, Utah, which has 1% or less in Logan, Utah, claim to be Christian. 99% in that area do not claim to be Christian. Not evangelical Christian. Just through us giving, by God's grace, they are there. And through that work, through us partnering, partnering with them, people can come to know Christ. It's fantastic. But it takes sacrificial time for somebody to go. It takes sacrificial giving for somebody to be saved. But through the kindness of the wise men, giving their time and their stuff to the Lord, as best we know, that's what set them up to go to Egypt and return. What could God accomplish for you if you gave your time to the Lord? Or perhaps your resources. Lastly, let me ask you, how can you praise this Savior? I mean, it seems at times like this story, you know, it seems like it's almost too good to be true. And it is too good, but it is true. It's amazing how this all works. It's almost, it's almost like there's one author of this, and he's just like weaving this tapestry into one beautiful story. Yeah. He's called God. 
and he came for you. And he gave you his word so you could read it and realize this is better than the Hunger Games or Harry Potter or the Chronicles of Narnia or whatever other series you want to come up with. This is real. This beautiful story is real. And it's beautiful because there's a God in heaven who loves sinners like you and I. Gave his life for us. We botched it and we messed it all up in Genesis 3. I'll make it right. And if you read to the end, which we don't have time to get to today in Revelation, where's man? Where are those that are redeemed? Where's the team of the seed of the woman? In fellowship with God, the star of David, as it's called, the lion of the tribe of Judah, we're with him in heaven. Man is with God in heaven. In a lush garden. Praise the Lord. That's the future that awaits those that know him. Let's give him praise. Let's bow for a prayer. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he is the seed of the woman, the seed of Abraham. That he is the star of Jacob, the king from Judah and David. He is Emmanuel, God with us, that his kingdom will never end and that he will bear fruit. God, thank you for who you are. What you've done, I pray for those that are here that may not know you as their Savior. Lord, today, would you help them to come to know you? For those of us that do, Lord, may we learn from the wise men to seek, to worship, and to give. In Jesus' name we pray.